And the choices that you make in the flesh will hurt you. But the choices that you make in the Spirit of God will build you up and will bring you to a place and a height in the Holy Spirit where God can use your life to touch hundreds and thousands and millions of people when you don't compromise, when you make a stand. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're happy to have you with us today for our continuing focus on nurturing a healthy, God-honoring marriage. As Roll reflects on the key mistake made by Adam and Eve, you'll see that a crucial step for you and your spouse is to ground yourselves in Scripture and commit to obeying what it says. Stay with us here on Somebody Loves You Radio to see that when your marriage comes under attack, you can stand firm in the Bible's truth and power. The title of today's lesson is The Great Liar in Marriage. In Genesis chapter 3, here's Raul Reese. There are so many marriages that are on the rocks. And maybe this morning, over the last couple of weeks, God has been speaking to your heart and you've been attending and hearing the messages and they've been very tough messages, believe me, because as I teach you, i got to teach myself too. Yet when I was looking at this story, I thought the question would be, who is the great enemy in a marriage? Well, the greatest enemy is Satan. Satan came at the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 3. Not disguised as something weird, but he came as the shining one. It says serpent, but the word serpent in Hebrew is the shining one. And we have to remember that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, Ezekiel 28, we have the great information given to us by the word of God that Satan was an angelic being created by God. They were archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and it is believed that Satan was an archangel of God too. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, Satan was thrown out of heaven like lightning. And one-third of heaven's angels followed Satan on that move. So the world became a very corrupt place. In the first place we find Satan is we find him at the garden When God has given a direct command to Adam and Eve. A direct command. And yet when you look at the character of Satan and studying Satan's character, number one, we see that he is a great deceiver. In the book of 2 Corinthians 11, 14, Paul the Apostle said, And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And I think it's really important that we understand that there is a literal devil and there are literal fallen angels. So the Bible is pretty clear when it comes to giving us information as we do believe that we're living in the last days. And as I look at the last days, I see not only as Satan being a deceiver, but he's also a great liar. A great liar. 
Remember what it says in the book of John, chapter 844? These are the words of Christ. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he's a liar and he speaks always from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow, that's powerful. Total liar. And we think of our children and we think of our grandbabies and we think of what God is intended for everyone that is single here today. That we are in a battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. And yet, one of the greatest things in every home today, you know what that is? The absence of a spiritual leader. The absence of a spiritual leader. Is that the woman's job? Nope. The man's job. God in his word never said that a woman was to love her husband. It said to submit to her husband. And the only way a woman can submit to her husband is when her husband is the head of his home, loving his wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And yet, if the husband is not the spiritual leader, how can the wife really truly submit? It's only in love when the husband is in charge of his home, spiritually speaking. There are so many marriages like this today where the wife cannot submit to her husband because he's not the spiritual leader. He's not the spiritual leader of the home. And yet we both need as husband and wives to learn from God's word so that we can strengthen our marriages and we can what? Overcome the power of Satan in our marriages and our children can live at peace in the home watching mom and dad fighting the battles through the love of Christ. They'll be secure. When I was reading the book of Ephesians, Paul the Apostle spoke and he speaks to the husband. He says this, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Notice, husbands, what God's word says. You are to be the spiritual leaders of your homes through the word of God. Washing down your wife with God's word. You don't have to be a teacher or an evangelist. Just open the Bible. Read the word of God to them. Then he says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Listen, when I go to the gym, I see male and females loving their bodies. And that's why Paul said, hey, physical fitness is great, but spiritual fitness is better. Why? Because I'm preparing for eternity. It's really important for me to understand that here Paul is exhorting the husband as he's exhorting the wife to prepare for battle. Remember, he goes into chapter 6. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil, literally. And then he said, 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand, not sitting, not lying down, standing. Stand therefore. Having geared your ways with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Notice that. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers, supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I understand the armor of God. I was a Marine. I was in Vietnam. I was in combat. And when I became a Christian, immediately I connected with Ephesians chapter 6. That I needed to know how to put on the spiritual armor of God. And when I started reading the Bible and studying the Word of God and sitting in Calvary Chapel, listening to Pastor Chuck Smith, going line upon line, precept upon precept, word by word, through every book of the Bible, it began to equip me, give me a hunger and a thirst that I wanted to know more about God. How can I stand against the wiles of the devil? And now we come into this great chapter 3 of Genesis. And it's amazing because what happens is God has given each one of us the power through the Holy Spirit and His Word to be able to stand on solid ground. We don't have to run. Did you ever notice reading the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6? He speaks about the helmet. He speaks about the shield, the sword, the breastplate. Everything in the front's covered, but He never speaks about the back. You know why? Because you're not to be a coward and run. We're not deserters. We're in a warfare, and it's a spiritual warfare, which is greater. Why? I can't see my enemy. And it's interesting that here in the Garden of Eden, as God now has a perfect state, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God's created them. They're having a blast. But somehow, beginning in chapter 3, my first observation for today is the enemy attacks immediately God's word. Check this out. And now... The serpent or the shining one, later on he's called the dragon, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. As God created Satan, just like the angels. God has always existed, not Satan. And he said to the woman, notice the men's nowhere, we don't know where he was, maybe he went fishing, I don't know. Because when he saw the woman and he did not see the man, what did he do? The first thing he does here is he challenges the woman concerning the word of God. Write that down. He challenges the word of God. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We're here to support you and your spouse in your walk together with the Lord Jesus. To strengthen your grasp of His Word, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 for resources, including a USB drive of this entire marriage series. Let's get back to the final part of our lesson today, The Great Liar in Marriage. Watch what he says. Has God indeed said... 
you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Imagine what a challenge that is. Here is the Garden of Eden and everything beautiful. There's only one tree God says be careful with because the day you eat of it, you will die. God gives instruction. He knows what's best for you and me. But the husband's not around. So what does Satan do? He looks at the woman, the weaker vessel, and he comes and begins to play with her mind. And what does he do? He starts with the word of God. Challenging God's word. Okay, let's see how smart you are. Did God really say that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What does he do? Immediately he puts a question on her mind. And what does she do? She adds to the word of God. Wow, what a bummer, man. She added to the word of God. She should have never done that. Watch this. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, she starts talking. Notice that. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Plural. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. Okay? There should be a period there, but there's a comma. What does that mean? The rest of the phrase she added. She added, she would have never spoken that. She said, nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that. God never said that. What was the problem? Her spiritual head was not around. Husbands, you have a big responsibility. Huge responsibility. She goes ahead and she says, nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that. She's adding to the word of God. Be careful of adding to God's word. Make sure you stay in its boundaries. Observation number three. Notice. The enemy now sees an opportunity to contradict God's word. All right. She just gave me her weakness. She doesn't know God's word. Okay, watch this. Verse four. Second point. Satan contradicts the word of God. First of all, I told you, he challenges the word of God. Secondly, he contradicts it. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Are you kidding me? You're not going to die. This is the greatest open door for your mind, for your intellect, to understand that if you eat, you will be just like gods, plural, not God. That's where the Mormons get their doctrine. I'm becoming, remember, having their own planet and being their own gods and having people under them that are less Mormons. That's where they get it from. Right here from Genesis. And it's interesting that here's Satan. Is making the rules. He says, then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Notice, the result of sin, what happens? You die. You miss the mark. You break fellowship with God. What was Satan doing? Trying to break fellowship with God. By using the woman to eat. Because he knew that she would give to her husband. And he would eat. And then both would be fallen. No longer presently before the Lord. 
So third point, watch this. This is amazing. Verse 5. Defaming God's character. Satan defames God's character. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. No, mark that. Put a circle around your Bible and below it put an arrow and put God's. G-O-D-S. Not with a capital G. A small g. You will become your own God. It's really important we understand God's word. That here God now speaking out. And here is Satan again. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And what? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. What is Satan doing? Satan is here using tactics that will tempt the woman to say, You mean I'm going to become just like God? Yeah. You'll have your own planet. And the less people will be your servants. Observation number four. This is amazing. Look what he says. As he's moving forward here. I mean, he's just creating more and more. In verse six, the observation number four, the consequences of disobedience to God's word. What happens? So the woman, she got tempted. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. First thing, here's three things. We get it. Mark this down. We get it from 1 John chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Three things. Number one, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three areas that Satan will tempt you. And he'll get you good. Check this out. Number one. And so the woman saw with her eyes that the tree was good for food. She stepped up to it. She said, wow, man, this is pretty cool. We don't know if it was an apple, a pear, a plum, or peach. We don't know that. It was a tree that God had with fruit. Check this out. Number two. The lust of the eyes. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. Notice that. She was being tempted. Three, and it was a tree desirable to make one, what? Wise, the pride of life. Everybody wants to be smart. They don't want to be stupid. Man, number one, she said what? Man, the lust of the flesh is so cool. Notice the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All three are in the tree. All three. But Satan was lying. Remember that. Check this out. Verse 7. And she also gave to her husband, and he ate. Verse 7. The effects of sin, notice, are always doing what? Taking you away from the presence of God. Number one. Then the eyes of both of them were open. What's the first thing? Full awareness of my imperfections. Oops, I'm naked. Something's wrong here. Before that, no problem. The purity, the holiness was gone. That's what sin does. And they knew that they were naked. The shame. The shame of sin. When people get into sin, they lose the presence of God. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to talk to Christians. They don't want to get right because they're ashamed. But when the Holy Spirit eventually brings conviction, all those things are broken down. When you humble yourself before God, and you come back to God, you was right. So we have number one, notice, the awareness of sin. Number two, the shame of sin. Number three, 
And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What does a man try to do? He tries to save himself through his own self-righteousness. Isn't that interesting? In the Garden of Eden. Trying to save themselves. They're covering it up. Notice that. Hey, we just cover up. We'll be fine. Watch this. Verse 8. He says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. Remember, they were in deep fellowship with God. This time they hear God coming in the garden, walking to the cool of the garden. And the first thing he says, And Adam, instead of standing up and saying, Hey, Lord, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? What does he do? He hears him coming, gets his wife, and they go hide themselves. What does sin do? It takes you away from the presence of God. Your marriage can grieve the Holy Spirit of God if husband and wife are not together. If you have a husband, you have a wife that is not walking with God, the one that is walking with God needs to stand on God's foundation and don't compromise. Do not compromise. Stand what's right. God will honor you. Your children will honor you. Otherwise, you're going to give in. What does he say? And Adam, notice, said to his wife, and they hid themselves from the what? From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't that interesting? First of all, there was fear. And what does Satan do? Well, no, not Satan. Satan makes us sin. But sin makes us hide from the presence of God. Sin hinders the presence of God over my life. Unless I make things right. Maybe you find yourself today in your marriage just like this. Those of you that are sitting here, those listening through the radio, it's really important for me as a pastor teacher to understand that God has given me freedoms in my life. Freedom from sin. To walk by the grace of God and to make choices. And the choices that you make in the flesh will hurt you. But the choices that you make in the spirit of God will build you up and will bring you to a place and a height in the Holy Spirit where God can use your life to touch hundreds and thousands and millions of people. When you don't compromise. When you make a stand. Well, if you and your spouse are struggling and it feels like your relationship is constantly under fire, we encourage you to take today's message to heart and jointly commit to prioritizing time in God's Word. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's program again in its complete form, just call us at 800-634-9165. And for a donation of $5 or more, we'll send you today's message, The Great Liar in Marriage. We'd also like to offer you additional biblical support with Raul's entire marriage series. Downloaded on MP3 to a convenient flash drive, this 20-part study includes a special interview with Rawl and his wife Sharon. As you explore what the Bible teaches about marriage and the God-ordained roles of husbands and wives, you'll get a challenge to choose obedience in this central area of life. 
To order Raul's 20-part marriage series, including the bonus interview, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $30 or more. That's 800-634-9165. To order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese is fully listener-supported. Your tax-deductible gifts help keep us on the air, and we appreciate your partnership. Join us next time to learn more about glorifying God in your marriage. You'll get a challenge to avoid Adam and Eve's error in trying to cover up sin and instead admit your mistakes so the Lord can bring renewal to your heart and life. With a closing comment, here's Raul. Your husband comes and says, yes, I have another woman. I don't love you anymore. God will strengthen you. He'll give you the wisdom what to do. Or the wife, or the husband, whoever it may be. And so it's really important for me to understand that if God is for me, then who can be against me? Nobody can be against me. What do we need to do? We need to be careful how we use our freedoms of choice. Because Satan wants to take you not up. He wants to take you down. He was taken down. So he wants you to be down with him. And the only way that you can ever stay put is to keep your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ and to humble yourself before the Lord and to ask God to help you as a husband, as a wife, that you God will work in your marriage and God will demonstrate and show you what the problem is so that you can take care of the problem in your life. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.